I'm Hannah. I'm Sheena. And I'm Lori. And this is Cemetery Row. Strap in, fuckers. We got some thoughts. Yes. <laughs> some very, very strong thoughts. Well, let's start on a happy note. Sheena, Sheena Benina, I believe you have some ghost tours. Uh, True Crime Tours, yes. Yes. They are coming up in June. Um, Do I remember the date? No. Because I have Mm -hmm. something every single Saturday in June for some reason. I think it's the 11th and the 25th. Um, 10 in the morning, so it's relatively Yeah, before it gets too hot. Sure. Yeah. Tell (laughs) us out. But, I mean, it it actually was kind of cool out there yesterday when I was out. Look, it was 50 degrees here in Chicago yesterday, and... Me having been in the South for like five days previous was like, I'm aware of sundress. <laughs> Chicago was like, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So come on down to Memphis to Elmwood Cemetery. Tickets are on sale now. Um, I have added a couple of things and taken away a couple of things on the tour. There are double the amount of tamale related murders on this <laughs> yeah. tour. Um, and you really need to get a tamale truck to go with you. I re- I wish I could. I wish there I could is stop. a tamale cart somewhere in Memphis. Somewhere in Memphis. There I mean, is. There's got to be. Literally. Uh, one of the stories is about the guy that was the tamale king of Memphis and, and all of that. And he had cards all over town i'm like oh my god we need why to, aren't you still in business this oh, needs to be um, you could have done that for cinco de mayo and it would have been so awesome oh yeah i didn't think of that oh my god um next but year, yeah next, next year, year yeah that. um so yeah i've got that i'm i'm probably gonna add in dolly stark from our athletes episode because Yay. we literally start right there at his grave i mean yeah um so i'm i'm trying to make it more interesting and and change things up a little bit but not too much um because i think the original's pretty decent but anyway tickets are on sale at elmwoodcemetery.org and yeah and if you're here from one of sheena's tours welcome and we love you yes (laughs) send us a send us a message on social yeah let us us, know yeah shoot us an email cemeteryropod at gmail.com um you know we want to know where our listeners are and where you're coming from so yeah yeah, absolutely we love you guys about this the the podcast a decent amount so yeah <laughs> yes we we love you guys because this was again we were bored as shit during covid and yeah we love that you guys are here so speaking of covid uh, I segue. um y'all have heard my covid rants before i lost my dad to covid two years ago in may and then like a total idiot i thought it would be good to go on my first like major vacation like i know i went to chicago last year but like this was like staying in a hotel and going to touristy type places um whereas in chicago i kind of like me and hannah like shopped like it, exactly. it, was, it was very low-key and it was nowhere near as we did the locals version as Broadway. we did and I had to go to Nashville, not by my own choice, but because one of my favorite artists was there. So I wanted to go see them at the Ryman, um, which is an amazing show. But I got COVID from that trip. Oh, and this is someone who I wore my mask everywhere. I use more hand sanitizer. Than no God one allows. is more careful than Sheena. I right. And I got Absolutely. it. Um, and it was miserable. I thank God for my doctor who worked me in at her new clinic on her second day there. Um, and um. 
I would hate to see this without vaccines and without meds. Mm -hmm. Um, it was gnarly. So, and everyone's like, Oh, it's mild now. It's no big deal. You get over it. No, you don't. And a lot of people have long COVID and their lives are literally, they're disabled from it permanently. This is a mass disabling event. It is. And no one cares. And I'm just begging you to please wear your mask and please be careful. Um, and I know I just said, I have events going on they're outside I've heard that this doesn't you know you can still get it while you're outside with people I don't know y'all I really don't yeah just please wear your mask please be careful you don't want this crap and if you have long COVID my heart goes out to you yeah and like we kind uh, of talked about off air is this as like viruses do as they mutate and as they gain different versions and different strains Viruses are living organisms, so they figure out how to work better for themselves. Yeah. Um, so this variant is much easier to get, but it's far mm-hmm. more communicable than previous. And also, again, I, I'm not the CDC, but there are rumblings that this one basically acts like measles, where it essentially resets your immune system. So it's not just, oh, I'm going to be sore and achy for a week. It's you, yeah. it's you are going to have long lasting effects from this. So please continue to be careful. I, too, went out of town um, to see my nephew graduate. Congratulations, Tristan. My, my nibblings don't listen to this. I hope <laughs> not. They better not. If you are by nibbling and you are listening right now, turn this off. (laughs) Um, But, you know, when I was in Mississippi and when I was flying through Charlotte, nobody had, I saw so many naked faces and I was just like, I am not, I also saw a woman with her bare ass feet up on a window. (laughs) Oh God, that's gross. Y'all fucking nasty. So Nashville's so nasty. (laughs) Oh like, God. It's well, nasty when there's not a plague going on. Okay. <laughs> it's outside of Broadway. It smells nice. And yeah, people yeah. seem to have a, a little bit of common sense. No yeah, mask. Broadway anywhere. is a little bit no like bourbon. It is exactly yeah. like bourbon. It stinks. You cannot move. It is God awful. I tried to spend a tiny amount of time there because I was so scared of it. Um, and there's really very few times you can go where it's not packed and right. it's miserable. And the city of Nashville needs to do something about that. But anyway, we're, we're, we're yeah. here to talk about a lot of things. Right. Not that. Anywhere that anyway. Kid Rock has a nightclub, I'm assuming <sighs> there are communicable diseases. Floating <laughs> well, around, yes, so. obviously. But yeah. So yeah, please be careful. Please be careful. Please be careful. Yeah. So I'm going to get <clears throat> on a high horse for a second because uh, as some of you know, I grew up in Arkansas. And so when I was in God, seventh or eighth grade, the West side school shooting happened. Um, there's been that list going around of all of the school shootings. West side's mm-hmm. not on there. Um, and that was and the first big one, right? It and- was, it was Pearl and then West side. Yeah. Um, you know, Columbine is, of course, defined a generation. If you were a goth kid after Columbine. Oh, God. <laughs> help you. Yeah. Um, and I was a straight A student second in my class and I still got, you know, what's she doing? And my yep. mom thankfully was like nothing, mind your goddamn business. So big ups, but, and then bef- not even a week and a half before that we had Buffalo, we had the church shooting. Mm-hmm. This is bullshit and it has to stop. Yeah. 
I am so sick of hearing it's my second amendment right. It is these kids right to be able to go to school without being blasted apart by a fucking assault rifle. Yeah. And that's one thing that I think people have, they don't want to think about. And I I don't really want to think about it myself, but this is not a simple gunshot wound. No, this is 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 a military weapon. I don't want to go into detail about what it does, but it, it, these little bodies should Mm-mm. never have to go through this kind of trauma and death and it's horrific and 19 this, babies 19. I, can't, I cannot fathom it y'all I, I look at those kids and I see myself because I, right. they're holding have, up their little AB on a roll certificates yeah. and I'm like I did that my mom took that same picture a thousand times you I know, just I, got a picture of my niece with her student of the month you right. know yeah that's and it, these kids are us yeah they're all of us, and, you know, and, and I can't stand it. We're not going to get into some of the bullshittery that was the the law enforcement response to this, which yeah. fucking sucked. And y'all need to come yep. get your people. Um, but, you know, if you're a hunter and you want to have different rifle, I understand you have to have different guns for different game. And that's fine. That is completely fine. You do you, boo. There is absolutely no reason in this world that an 18-year-old outside of the fucking military needs an assault rifle. And let me no tell you No one of any age no. right. needs a gun like that. Outs- no one and of let any me age. tell you, in the military, even though they are assigned a weapon, that weapon is held in an armory, regardless of their age. And they don't get to touch that weapon unless they're on duty and have a reason for it. The military has more fucking gun control than the general public. And it's bullshit. It is. And And those are the people trained to use those fucking weapons. We pay them to use those weapons. And and this is the time to get loud and get annoying. Annoy the crap out of your elected officials. Because being polite hasn't worked. Be it nice sure has not worked. And I, I I know living in Mississippi, I'm not going to change any senator's mind, right. but by God, I'm going to annoy the crap out of them about it. Absolutely. And, you know, these, th- there's these people that, you know, we, we've said before, you know, we need better mental, better mental health care, but that's not going to change anything no. unless you have the gun control to go with it. Absolutely. Yes. Um, As somebody who had had a plan to self-harm had i had access to a weapon it might have happened well think about it too y'all i mean this is my mother has said this a thousand times we have not, we have made life more convenient but we haven't made it better no because i'm sorry life isn't better if you're you're too scared to send your child to get an education Absolutely. but think about how reliant we are as a society on convenience Mm-hmm. Yeah, we pay for people to bring us food and we stop at gas stations, which are convenience stores because we don't right. want to go walk in Walmart to get a Coke. No, you know what I'm saying? It's like all these little things that are convenient is easier, it, necessarily better mm-hmm. is easier, better. And I think a lot of people, I'm sorry, but this is the American way. I think if you make something a little harder for someone to get, they're going to be like, oh, well, never mind. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like they'll give up because out of pure laziness. And, well, and that's if someone the thing. wants to cause harm, they'll cause harm. It's like that school bombing that happened back a zillion years ago. If people want to do harm, they will do harm. But can we at least try to make it harder? Well, and that's the thing too, is like my mother was a, a police officer and it's, I mean, it's a known statistic. If the weather's bad, burglaries yeah. go down. 
because yeah. you know who doesn't want to be out in the weather? Fucking burglars. Yep. So, I mean, you know, it's there's any hurdle you can put. We're human. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're innately trying to figure out better, faster, easier ways to do things. Yeah. You make things the tiniest bit harder. People I mean, and that's that's the thing with suicide prevention. Yeah. Is if you put barriers, there's time for them to stop and think and say, okay, wait, do I do I actually want to do this? Yeah. And in those during those times where even if it's just 30 seconds, that gives them to go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. That can keep them from doing it. I mean, this is just so, you know, I don't and on, you know, and I always joke about too, I joke is that the right to bear arms. It doesn't say guns. It's arms. Mm-mm. Arms can be a baseball bat. Yeah. Arms can be whatever. It does not say, you know, since we're apparently now only doing things that are explicitly written in the constitution. I see you, Samuel Alito. You can go fuck yourself. Yep. Um, doesn't say everybody gets an AR. Those didn't even exist when our founding well, fathers were around. Like, they would shit themselves if they saw guns nowadays. They would. It's like that really good tweet that's going around about they would be like bewildered by a dishwasher. Like, right. We cannot I don't trust them with use shit. their standards to live our lives today. They own, they a, thought owning people was cool. So right. uh, I saw let's not the go tweet, by their standards anymore. Right. I saw the tweet that would be like one of the first things they would say would be you freed the what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so soapbox yeah. annoy the shit out of your elected officials remember they work for you not yep. the nra um and by the way you can go on um the federal election committee's website or commission rather's website and see who gave money over 500 dollars to your senators to yep. your elected officials you could also see individuals and search by did this particular individual give over you know 500 to a thousand dollars i believe is the for individuals see who's paying them yeah and remember who and remind them who they work for and the midterms are coming up yeah register register to vote take people to go register to vote yep take people to go vote the day up Mm mm-hmm Get together with your coworkers and say, we're not coming in on election day or we're leaving early on election day or we're coming in late on election day. Yeah. Like this is bullshit. Yep. Now. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So uh, we are sending all of our love and thoughts to the families that are grieving from these three most recent mass shootings, even though there are a lot more. Mm-hmm. um they have been going on um you know it, it just gets worse and worse you think the church in california was bad and then you hear about buffalo and you think that's worse and then you hear about this school shooting in texas and you're like it can't get any worse but it, no. it can and it will <laughs> always does yeah so thank uh thank god for the the kids that we have that we can hold and that we can love and let's send all of our love and light to the parents and family members who are grieving and let's let's do something for these kids and for mm-hmm. the victims in buffalo for the victims in california um but anyway we we, we did lose a couple of good ones in yes. terms of celebrities this week um i'm especially sad about andy fletcher from depeche mode yes um legend actual yes. legend um if you want to see me rock out just put on policy of truth and i will lose yes. my mind 
personal um, Jesus for me. Yeah. I love personal Jesus. Like I said, I changed it to personal McDuff for my cat. <laughs> so, uh, we had a, we had a little sing along and he's my personal McDuff. Um, what was it? I sang something about reach out and touch faith, reach out and touch treats. I don't know. I was trying to think of silly cat things. Such a nerd, Sheena. Oh yeah. Of course the grandma of the group has to sing to her cat. But also, we're very sad about Ray Liotta as well. Yes, one of my favorite asshole actors. So many good characters, yes. yeah. So, and yep. speaking of Ray Liotta, yes, <laughs> you may know him from one of his best roles, and he's had some good ones. But his wait, favorite- hold on for a sec. Let me say we have not introduced this week's topic. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let's say our topic this week is outlaws. <laughs> So think about which all is of a his perfect criminal. Yeah. yeah. Think this is the perfect segue from Ray Liotta to Outlaws. Yes. Because <laughs> one of his best roles was, of course, in Goodfellas. Yeah. <laughs> Loved it. So with that uh, and mobsters on our minds, we're going to start. So large conf- conflagrations of criminals can be found in many places, prisons, biker bars, the halls of Congress. You're welcome. <laughs> but in the end, we all end up in the same place. So cemeteries also have a fair number of sinners along with the saints. One such cemetery is Mount Carmel in Hillside, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. Alongside the eminent bishops of the Catholic Church in Chicago, there's a whole mausoleum full of bishops, great hats, some of the most epic gangsters of the Prohibition era and beyond are also there, and maybe a young mother buried alive. Ooh. Ooh. The most infamous grave is of Al Capone and his family. Capone was the most fearsome and legendary of the bootlegging monsters being dubbed public enemy number one. And every gangster rapper from the 80s and beyond has Al Capone to thank for that name. (laughs) He left a bloody trail throughout the 20s, battling none other than Elliot Ness, who went on to write The Untouchables about Capone and his gang. Al Capone was born in New York City, and there's a great picture of him and his brother as toddlers. Um, I shared it on Facebook. I think you gals have seen it. Um, even as toddlers, I'm pretty sure they could kick my ass. Um, <laughs> I will be including this photo because like, even at like four, he's got like that gangster sneer that they all went on to have. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this child just got done with 40 hours at the mine and he wants a vodka and to slap somebody on the ass. Like, <laughs> like damn. These kids are smoking cigars by the age of two and I won't hear otherwise. Yep. One of Capone's most infamous crimes was the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which occurred on Valentine's Day, where a group of his goons dressed up as cops and murdered several members of Bugs Moran's crew in broad daylight. Because they were dressed as cops, the victims had no idea they were in danger. They thought they had just got busted with some illegal hooch. And the bystanders just saw cops run into a building and then heard gunshots. They were like, oh, oh cops is doing something. It was a perfect ruse. Absolutely perfect ruse. But what would land old Al and Alcatraz was a classic American crime. Tax fraud. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you don't fuck with the government's money, okay? Capone died of a syphilis-related heart attack, which I didn't <laughs> know was a thing. Oh, yeah. In Miami, 
1947 and was initially buried in Mount Olivet Cemetery in Chicago, where his gravestone was often tampered with. Y'all don't do that. Unless it's Gigi Allen allowed it. (laughs) Yes. The rest of them leave it alone. His mother passed away in 1953 and the family plot was made in Car- in Mount Carmel where he, his brothers, and his mother now rest. What were you going to say, Lori? Um, it just seems to be a trend with uh, criminals and outlaws that people like to fuck with their headstones. Yeah. I'm like, yep. I get it. I get it. You're, you're not wrong, but don't. <laughs> when I, when I was yeah. doing research and initially trying to figure out who I was going to do, there's several that are like caged there's a fence cage (laughs) around the grave so people stop fucking with it which is just ridiculous ironically enough several (laughs) victims of the saint valentine's day massacre are also buried there of course they are which isn't awkward at all i kind (laughs) of wonder when their spirits are haunting they're like hey bitch i see you (laughs) at least i didn't die a syphilis motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) you nasty (laughs) i want to i feel like if that doesn't happen i'm going to be very upset it happens. Uh, it happens. In it's my head, in. in my heart, it does. <laughs> there are tales that you could spot his dapper ghost hanging out by his gravestone. Good for him. <laughs> A relatively more recent, but no less infamous gangster at rest in Mount Carmel is Sam G. Kana. Our boy Sam was the boss of the Chicago outfit from 1957 to 1966. He ran illegal gambling, which was called policy games at the time, which was basically just a lottery. Mm-hmm. Um, Randy legal hooch and did some political fuck shit. <laughs> Giancana and his gang are allegedly responsible for getting JFK elected in 1960. Mm. <laughs> JFK and Gian had some ties. I'm just, sure they did. Yes, fan. <laughs> By this time in the great historic arc that is organized crime in the U.S., crime families were looking beyond simply controlling the booze racket and were expanding out west with Vegas casinos. See our information about Lake Mead from a couple episodes ago. And working with the CIA to, you know, assassinate Fidel Castro. <laughs> I mean, why not? I, we've ran illegal liquor this and bad lotteries this whole time. So why not try to assassinate somebody's president? Yeah. And uh, maybe allegedly our own. Who's to know? Um, mm-hmm. Sam was murdered in his own home in the Oak Park area of Chicago by an unknown assailant. The theories abound implicating rival gangs, rivals within his own outfit, and of course, the CIA. Why not? But Hannah, I hear you say, why are you just talking about Italian mobsters? There are plenty of Irish mobsters working at the time, and you are correct. But you see, the Italians settled on the south side, and the Irish stuck to the north. So, and the cemeteries on the south side, meaning the Great Fire of Chicago that was blamed on Mrs. O'Leary's cow was likely started by an Italian woman's cow. Justice (laughs) for Mrs. O'Leary's cow. She didn't do it. It was Mrs. Russo's cow. This is anti-Irish sentiment. But it's not all cigar-chomping, tummy-gun-wielding spirits lurking Mount Carmel. There's also the story of the Italian bride. Mm. On March 17th, harsh, 1921, <laughs> Giulia Bucola Petta died while giving birth to her son, Filippo. Not uncommon for the 20s, not uncommon now. Yeah. Julia was buried in her wedding gown with her dead infant tucked into her arms in a single coffin. Jeez. They'd been married less than a year, so um, they were still technically newlyweds, 
Um, and also in Italian tradition, a woman dying during um, childbirth is giving martyr status. Mm. Um, so that's a tradition. Julia's mother, Philomena, was inconsolable over her daughter's death and soon began having vivid and terrifying nightmares. Her daughter would tell her she'd been buried alive and to please come save her. After being plagued with these horrible visions for six whole years, Jesus, a judge finally allowed the exhumation of Julia's grave. Julia's remains had experienced zero decay in the six years she'd been interred. Her mother reinterred her with a life-size statue of Julia on her wedding day and a photo of the corpse the day they exhumed her. No info on what state the baby was in. They seem yeah. to leave that out, which makes me think maybe not great. It's said that Julia's ghost helped a little boy who had gotten lost at the cemetery get back to his parents. That when his parents came upon him, he was holding the hand of a dark-haired woman in a white dress, and she disappeared as soon as the parents walked towards him. Some say her mother, Philomena, really disliked Julia's husband and made the whole thing up to reinter her under her maiden name in the family plot. (laughs) (laughs) An Italian mother move, if there ever was one. (laughs) Yep. So if you're ever in Hillside or the Oak Park area, stop by Mount Carmel. Tell Al hi. Um, There is a tradition of leaving pennies on the graves of some outlaws. So uh, consider that if if that's something you're into and go check out Julia's statue. It is truly amazing. Yay. Very cool. So all of you who have griped in our reviews, they don't actually talk about cemeteries. There was a whole ass. That is all you you talk about. (laughs) And of course, crime and murder, because I am who I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was awesome. Good job, yes. Hannah. Um, so for my story, I just want to say real quick, I went back and forth a thousand times on who I was gonna cover. You can't be me. You I, can't, I was I was oh, the most Lori this week. <laughs> like literally last night, I was like at 10 o'clock at night, I'm like, I'm changing it. I'm changing it. I'm changing it. And then I'm like, no, we're not. Because the story I want to do has ties to Memphis and Hernando. Oh and wow! It, but not enough people are dead. <laughs> there are some <laughs> dead people, but the the outlaws themselves are still alive, as far as my research shows. And I can't find the graves for the people who did die. So hopefully that story will be coming at some point because I love that story. But this week I went with something that is probably ninety percent apocryphal. <laughs> so this is more legend probably than anything and there is no cemetery i'm breaking my heart with that one but i, I got not, you boo that's all i you, talked that's, about that's right um i could not find anything about her where she's buried but we'll get to that um and i'm sorry about that but um you know next we're time. humans god damn it we're human I, I just really wanted a good story of someone who um I don't know that she would even technically call her an outlaw, but I, I do. But I think they were too scared to do anything about her because she was scary. I love it. So that's what I wanted. I wanted a scary woman to talk about. So picture it. Pennsylvania, 1817. A baby girl is born who would grow up to be a rancher, a black widow, and a champion cusser. Oh, I love her. I Let's know. Right? I was just like, oh, you literally have the words champion cusser on a 
monument in your honor. Well, then I, sign I'm me up to it, be your new best friend. I'm putting it in my pre-planning. That Do better it. be on something. <laughs> <laughs> so that baby girl was Sarah Jane Newman, one of 10 kids to Joseph and Rachel. The Yeesh. Newman family moved to Texas when Sarah was about six. Um, and her name, as we come to know her, she goes by Sally. So even though she was born Sarah Jane, I'm just going to call her Sally from here on out. Was her family Jewish? Newman, I don't know. Yeah, maybe Sarah's, and then with the, I wonder. Okay, I don't carry know. on. Yeah, good question. Um, <clears throat> so as I said, they moved to Texas, and this is you know the 1820s or whatever. And I just, I, I get the impression that the American frontier was kind of a rough place to go live. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Um, there's a lot going on and you had to be on guard all of the time. And mm -hmm. Sally learned firsthand from her mother, how to protect herself and how to just come out swinging. Apparently Miss Rachel Newman was a mama bear of all mama bears. Yeah. That's what so, I'm thinking too. Cause Rachel. Okay. Well, never mind. Yeah. Um, so once apparently, um, her mother saw an intruder start to come into the front door of the house and she sees like his toes, his feet sticking kind of under the door. So her mom, Rachel, Sally's mom took an ax and chopped the guy's toes off. Go Get mama. <laughs> and then later some burglars tried to break in through the family's chimney. Oh, so God. she lit a fire in there. <laughs> as that you do. And set girl. them on fire. Um, and, and I will note that in all of these stories, which again, maybe a hundred percent apocryphal, but I don't know. Um, all of these burglars or intruders were always listed as native American. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't, but I'm right. just, I don't like how throughout all of these stories, it's, oh, they were aggressive native Americans. Like, yeah. have you it's met white sort men? Of like have the, you met white men? The unidentified black guy that took Susan yes. Smith's children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, anyway, but so S Sally grew up with this very turf, tough, assertive mindset of, you know, someone comes at you, you attack right back. Um, in fact, supposedly she saw a neighbor um, who didn't attack some native Americans supposedly who were spying on them. And she's like, you know, you need to go after them because they're spying on us and they're going to do bad things to us. And the neighbor was like, no. And so she's like, well, then you're not a man. Give me your gun. Oh shit. Like, okay, okay. Sally. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Just, you will say that throughout the rest of the story. Oh, wonderful. Um, so at the age of seven, Sally met the man she would eventually marry, which is a Awkward. little creepy. But it's also the 1820s and everything is a little creepy in the 1820s. Yeah. yeah. So the man was Jesse Robinson and he was um, in the first Texas Ranger company and he saved her family from some quote hostiles. Oh, I, I don't know anything more about that. Leave it to your imagination. And she vowed that she would marry her hero. And indeed <laughs> oh, she did. She married him in 1833 when she was just 16. Jesse was twice her age because he it's gets. the 1830s. That's how it works. Yeah. yeah. So he was really big on protecting all the settlers in the area. Like I said, 
first Texas Ranger Company, all this. They were married for several years, about 10 years, actually. And they had two kids, Nancy and Alfred. Um, but it, I know you're going to be shocked when I say it didn't last. These Imagine two kids that. just couldn't make it work. Yeah. Um, he claimed she cheated on him, which she probably did. But <laughs> she she claimed he was abusive, which I figure he, he probably, probably was. was. I mean, they're both wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So 11 days after divorcing Jesse, Sally married husband number two, George H. Skull. And this is where we get, if you, go, if you want to Google this woman, she is known as Sally Skull, which I'm like, best name <laughs> oh, ever. Oh, hell yeah. That's going to be yeah. my derby name. <laughs> and um, also divorce S- was not easy to get back in the day. <laughs> she doesn't always worry about divorces. Oh, good for her. Okay. Um, she does a couple of times, but not always. Which, what like are they going to do? A do a database? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> trust me when I say I think the cops were a little too scared to do anything about her. So <laughs> love that for um, her. The the last name technically is S C U L L, and I've heard that later she changed it to skull, like a a human head skull, Fuck because yeah. it was scarier. And I'm like, I, I hope she did that again. So much of this could be made up. There's so little documentation, but I love it. Um. Anyway, so Sally and George are living in the same town as Jesse, her ex husband, and they're trying to co parent. But it's not really going well because they imagine everything. co-parenting in the 1800s was a pretty easy thing to do. Exactly. And they had a really nasty custody battle. Apparently, Jesse got Nancy and Sally got Alfred. And Sally's like, no, I'm getting my daughter. Yeah. So they do all this ugly stuff. And they're yeah, yeah, and all that. But things were getting so bad that Sally, George, and Alfred eventually moved away. And um, she and George decide they're going to kidnap Nancy. And they do just that. They manage to grab her. And they take the kids to New Orleans. Okay. And they take them to a convent, which I guess is where they're getting an education. Right. Um, Jesse tracks them down, but they manage to flee before he could get a hold of them. What are you going to do? Run up on some nuns? I know. <laughs> anyway, so I guess all that's fun. And I guess Sally and George go back to Texas. They lived outside of Corpus Christi in a town called like Banquete or Banquetti. I heard a couple of different pronunciations. Um, and so I think the kids mostly stayed in New Orleans. And I think Sally and George, they go back to Texas. And anyway, in 1849, after about six years of marriage, Sally starts to say that George was dead. And um interesting. Everyone's like, where is he? And she's like, dead. I don't know. And um, so where's George? Your guess is as good as mine. Um, some man claimed he saw her shoot a man in Corpus Christi in 191852. Well, that's you know, she already said George's dead a couple of years before that. So who did she shoot in Corpus Christi? I don't know. Hmm. No telling. Um, so yeah, it's around this time that she does change the spelling of her name from Skull, S-C-U-L-L, to S-K-U-L-L, um, because she thought it was cooler. And this is where she becomes a country and western girl boss. Uh, <laughs> she becomes a rancher and a trader. Girl um, boss, gaslight, gatekeep. <laughs> so yeah, so she is basically, ha- she runs her own business of being a rancher and a trader. Um, she goes down to Mexico to buy some horses and she learns Spanish down there, which is a very 
useful skill. Yes, everyone thought she was stealing horses too. <laughs> Sorry, yes, I did. I did. Air I saw quotes. your air bunnies, and I'm like, yes, that it. It's she I bought she horses. Bought I hope she did. I don't know. Oh yeah, she definitely did some wrangling. Rustling. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um. <clears throat> Uh, so yeah, so she basically learns to speak Spanish and she um, becomes really friendly with all of the uh, Mexican rangers in the area and works with them, um, hires a lot of them. She was known to be a tough boss, but a fair boss. Um, and she was a good shooter, which helps when you need to get a divorce um, (laughs) i mean she does put her small town the banquete on the map as a major horse trading station um she also traded clothes and coffee and medicine and she just gets this huge reputation of being this sort of you know just a a character i mean there's no other way to put it a a european tourist um wrote this about her um let me make sure i have the right they were speaking of a north american amazon the perfect female desperado who from inclination was chosen for her residence the wild border country on the rio grande Uh, she could handle a revolver and bowie knife like most reckless and skillful men she appears at dances thus armed and even shot several men in merry make at merry makings (laughs) (laughs) she carries on the trade of a cattle dealer and a common carrier she drives wild horses from the prairie to market and takes her oxen wagon along though along through the ill-reputed country between corpus christi and the rio grande i love her (laughs) i kind of do she does one thing later that no she's a total person damn but otherwise i love her so it didn't take a lot to make her angry so she always um had her guns on her like she wore pants which was oh god scandalous and she would have them around her waist if she did wear a dress they were you know sewn into her dress all this kind of stuff hell yeah um at one point and here's just a couple of fun stories of her just being hateful to men so this is my girl so at one point she overheard a man talking about her so she goes up to him and she says so you've been talking about me well dance you son of a bitch and she starts (laughs) shooting at his feet (gasps) oh my god dance motherfucker dance (laughs) and another time uh she ran into a freighter i guess another guy in the trading business who owed her money so she grabbed an axe and said if you don't pay me right now you son of a bitch i'll chop the goddamn wheels off of every goddamn wagon you've got (laughs) i love her (laughs) I love her. Oh my God. I need to see if we're related at some point. <laughs> they also said she was an equally good shooter with either of her hands. Like she could left, right. Didn't matter. She was just, oh, she loved to shoot. <laughs> so um, she married three more times after George. Um, so this is a total of five husbands. In 1852, she married John Doyle, who disappeared, supposedly. Now, <laughs> legend has it that the pair of them had partied one night. Um, they had these dances that they called fandangos. And oh. um, they would, they, you know, they go and they party and they get super, super drunk. And so the next morning, they were both super, super hungover. And apparently, John, um, husband number what, three here, uh, tried to wake her up, couldn't get her up. She's just passed out, you know, from a hard night. And um, so he pours a picture of cold water on her head. 
Oh, so she shot him dead. Well, you know what? I think that's fair. I think it's a if I'm hungover and you pour water on me, we we fighting. Yes, and you know I love that she did this cold, wet, and hungover. She was just like, no, claimed it was an accident. But there's also another story that she killed him in a totally different way. That um, she caught him drinking whiskey out of like a barrel, like not even a with a glass, just like doing that. And so she shoved his head in and said there drink your fill and drowned him i don't know which one happened who knows who cares i love it um <laughs> there was at some point the husband that was drowned and i've heard that husband number four was drowned and i've read that husband number three was drowned again so much of this is legend apocryphal yeah yes um that she said when they came to talk to her about the the dead body um the drowned husband whichever one it was she said i don't give a damn about the body but i sure would like to have the 40 dollars in that money belt around it <laughs> and i'm like i love you <gasps> she was a lonesome dove i'm, I'm getting to that Stop i'm it. sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry quit googling i'm not quit googling i'm not no more googling i was just no really exciting i love this lady um anyway she uh, married isaiah watkins in 1855 um and she left him after three years um that was an actual divorce oh in 1860 she married christoph horsdorf what and she was 18 years older than him uh more on him in a little bit horsdorf Um, oh just wait um so when the civil war hits uh she stops trading livestock and starts trading confederate cotton to europe so she's still very much in business still making a a killing off of this war um but she was also could be a total piece of crap and i know we joked about her killing husbands but no this this is what ticks me off about her so Mm -hmm. her daughter nancy had grown into a young lady she was living in new orleans and she would go sally would go and visit nancy pretty often but nancy had a little puppy dog that she loved and thought was the best little puppy oh, dog in the whole like wide world no you won't like this at all trigger warning um apparently the dog was aggressive either towards sally or towards someone else so sally shot it oh sally i was nancy for you, girl Nancy never spoke to her mother again. I yeah, do not no, blame her fair. one bit. That's that's fair, hundred percent fair. So, the God last, damn it, Sally! I know we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, the last official record of Sally's skull anywhere is court records uh, stating that she was indicted for perjury on May fourth, eighteen sixty six, and that she was acquitted May eleventh. This would make her about forty nine or so. I mean, that's like Al Capone getting pinched for tax fraud. Like, that is not the worst thing she's done. (laughs) I never found that anyone ever tried to get her for any of these husbands or horse stealing or anything Mm -hmm. else. Like, it was rumored, yes, that she stole horses. It was rumored she killed these husbands. I can't. And I think, just based on her reputation, I kind of wonder if the officials in the area were just kind of scared of her. Because she or was that not was just how to... you handled your personal business. But I mean, they're yeah, like, that's not I mean, our business. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to say she was an outlaw. It's not like the cops were ever like, oh, she was wanted. But I'm like, but she did illegal stuff. So, yeah. anyway. <laughs> um, anyway, 
Rumor has it that that final husband, Christoph, Christoph Horstdorf, oh, who went by Horstroff. <laughs> I wish I was making that up. That was his nickname. Christoph, we need to talk, honey. Horstroff, yes, that's his nickname. Uh, that the two of them went for a ride one day and only he came home. Oh, mm. and he claimed she disappeared, but he inherited oh. her entire estate. Oh, um, a lot of people think that uh, she had some gold on her and he killed her for her gold, which I'm like, why wouldn't she just hand it over to him? You know, like they're married. Right. Yeah. Um, a drifter reported finding a woman's body in a shallow grave nearby where Sally lived, worked, um, but no one could ever identify the body. So we literally, we have no idea where she ended up. That, that whole court record thing is the last time that um, we have any kind of information on her. Um, so no, I don't know where she's buried. It may have been in that shallow grave. Who knows? Um, but in 1964, excuse me, a historical marker was erected in her honor in Refurio, Texas. Refurio. I'm not saying it right either way um somewhere in texas somewhere in texas um a little north of corpus christi um because that's really kind of their area she was based out of um it's at the intersections of highway 138 and state highway 202 so if you're in that area go by and see it mm-hmm. and yes uh she was portrayed in the 1989 miniseries <laughs> lonesome dove sorry about that she no you're all good um she was played by olan jones who you know um I love this. She's a character actress who has been in everything. Edward Scissorhands, Beethoven, Mars Attacks, and an episode of The X-Files. Um, she's one of those amazing character act- actresses that uh, when, when she goes, we're all going to be so sad. We're going to be like, it's that woman, you know, because yeah. she's the redhead from um, everything. Oh, from she's everything, married basically. to Sam Shepard. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Um, yeah, she's from Edward Scissorhands. Um, the neighbor, you know, who's always yeah. kind of, yeah. Okay. Horny, very, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the very horny, horny neighbor. neighbor. Yeah. yeah, so that's who plays Sally Skull in Lonesome Dove. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of wanted to end on the monument that was erected in her honor. So it says, woman rancher, horse trader, champion cusser, ranch <laughs> northwest of here in Civil War, Texas, Sally Skull Freight Wagons took cotton to Mexico to swap for guns, ammunition, medicine, coffee, shoes, clothing, and other goods vital to the Confederacy. Oh, dressed in God trousers, damn it, Sally. Yeah. Dressed in trousers, Mrs. Skull bossed armed employees, was a sure shot with a rifle carried on her saddle or the two pistols strapped at her waist. Of good family, she had children cared for in New Orleans school, often visited them. There's no mention of the dead dog, but I digress. Uh, <laughs> loved dancing, yet during the war did extremely hazardous man's work. And that is the probably mostly legendary but not quite because she really did exist. Sally Skull. I love it. <laughs> I mean, that's a good one. On the Confederacy, but yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't love that. She worked with the Confederacy. I don't love that. She shot a dog, but otherwise I'm like, yes, please cuss and shoot them husbands. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Do what you got to do mama. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Lou. Well, I'm going to wrap it up this week with Elmer McCurdy. I have heard of him. Everybody and their mama 
has done <laughs> stories about Elmer McCurdy. So I kept trying to flip flop and find somebody else, but I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. You haven't heard my version of this. That's <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, Do it, it. What can I say about Mr. Elmer McCurdy? The first thing that pops into my mind is, oh, well, bless his heart. <laughs> <laughs> Elmer was born to a teenage unwed mother named oh. Sadie McCurdy in Washington, Maine on New Year's Day, 1880. Oh, because she was unwed, Elmer was adopted by her brother, George, and his wife, Helen. They were kind of a well-to-do family. So to save Sadie the embarrassment. Well, at least having, he stayed in the family. Right. Of having yeah. a bastard child. Uh, yeah. That happened a lot. Yeah. yeah. Sadie never said who the father was, and it was likely that she didn't even really know for sure. Uh, but it is speculated that it was probably her cousin, Charles Ew. Smith. Oh, I was about to be like, get it, Sadie. Like, who cares who the daddy is? No, no, I don't no, want to be a no that's not okay. Ew. And Ew. later in life, Elmer would use the name Charles Smith. Um, so, you know, speculation. Probably, yeah. yeah. So George died of tuberculosis in 1890. So Sadie and Helen moved to Bangor, Maine, home of Stephen King. Heck yeah, uh, I'm reading with, Needful Things right now. Needful Things is so good. <laughs> yep, go ahead. Uh, with 10-year-old Elmer, and eventually Sadie confessed to him that, hey, I'm not really your your aunt, I'm your mom. Oh. And so Elmer did not take that news well. He they never, never do. does. They well, never no. take that well. No, uh, Elmer started drinking heavily, and this problem would follow him throughout his life and probably had a role in his eventual demise more on that later oh elmer so <laughs> he went to live with his grandfather and became an apprentice plumber and by all accounts he was pretty competent at his job and did okay for himself however a string of bad circumstances in the late 1800s kind of shifted his trajectory he lost his job in 1898 due to an economic downturn turn gosh we wouldn't his, know anything about. i know <laughs> it's not like it's, we've lived through a couple of those or anything right right <laughs> His mother died of a ruptured ulcer in 1900. Sadie or his adopted mama? Uh, Sadie. Okay. Uh, And his grandfather passed away from kidney disease just a month after his mother. Yikes. So Elmer became a drifter. He bummed around the East Coast. He worked odd jobs as a plumber and even a miner. And of course, he drank heavily. Yeah, imagine. He eventually wound up in Missouri, where he joined the U.S. Army in 1907, and he was trained as a machine gun operator. Oh. In this role, he was also trained in using nitroglycerin for demolition purposes, but as his later adventures would prove, he wasn't very good at it, and he didn't have very much training. (laughs) So he didn't Phineas Gage himself. He was honorably discharged in november of 1910 and made his way to st joseph missouri no st joseph kansas uh where he and an army buddy were arrested just two weeks after his discharge for possessing burglary tools oh god he claimed that the tools which consisted of chisels hacksaws money sacks (laughs) gunpowders and funnels that would be used for nitroglycerin were actually for a new machine gun they were inventing oh my god look look, look. no 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 no. listen 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 it's not what it looks like it is not what i know it's a machine gun but (laughs) (laughs) it's not what it looks like at all 
Yeah. And I like how he has the money bags. Like, why couldn't you just say no? I'm like carrying. Why do you need a money bag for a machine gun, boo? It's my purse. (laughs) I I keep my chapstick in there. My God. Don't your lips get dry too? I'm very European. Okay. He was acquitted at trial. Oh, Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Carry on. After the trial, he moved to, and I'm going to apologize in advance because I forgot to look up the pronunciations of these towns. I'm going to do my damnedest and I'm sorry if I butcher it. So after the trial, he moved to Lenapa, Oklahoma, where he began his unsuccessful career as a bank and train robber. (laughs) He fancied himself an expert with explosives, so he decided he was going to use his training with nitroglycerin in his robberies. So shortly after arriving in Oklahoma, he decided to rob the Iron Mountain Missouri Pacific train number 104 because he had heard a rumor that there was a safe on board with more than $4,000 inside. Elmer, baby. So he and his buddies, he and his buddies got the train. They found the safe. However, good old Elmer used too much explosive. And instead of blowing open the door to the safe, he blew the entire safe up. Oh, no. It's almost like paper burns or something. Right. Which destroyed all the money inside. Uh, They did wind up escaping with $450 in silver coins, most of which was melted into the remnants of the safe. (laughs) Damn. The botched robbery did not deter Elmer. Oh, no. By September 21st. Why would it? He was ready to try his hand at robbing the Citizens Bank in Chautauqua, Kansas. He went a little lighter with the explosives this time. There you go. Managed to blast a hole in the bank vault. But the second charge on the safe didn't ignite, which kind of spooked the lookout who took off. Oh, God. Uh, that made <laughs> you Elmer. pick your lookouts better. Right. Yeah. So that made Elmer and the rest of the crew nervous. So they grabbed what they could that was like laying outside the safe, which was about $150 in coins and fled. They spent the, uh, they divided up the money. They split up and Elmer spent the next few weeks hiding out in a hay shed on the ranch of a friend in Bartlettsville, Bartlesville, not Bartlettsville. I knew I was going to do that. Oklahoma <laughs> and drinking heavily. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure. Why not? What else are you going to do in a hay shed? <laughs> His final <laughs> robbery occurred on October 4th, 1911 in Ocasa, Oklahoma. He and his accomplices had heard a rumor that there was a train carrying $400,000 in cash that would be rolling through. So they planned to seize the train and steal the money that was intended as a payment to the Osage nation. Oh, that's not nice. No, mm-hmm. not at all. However, someone got their information wrong and they wound up taking a passenger train instead. <laughs> <laughs> Elmer. They made it out with $46 from the mail clerk, a revolver, two containers of whiskey, and the watch that belonged to the train conductor. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, they got whiskey. Yeah. So following the robbery, Elmer went back to his hiding spot in the hay barn and consoled himself by drinking the stolen whiskey. <laughs> now, not only was he dealing with the disappointment from the lack of money they received from this train robbery he was also suffering from tuberculosis from his time as a minor that'll do it had mild pneumonia and trichinosis which is a disease that is caused by roundworm infection oh no he had worms yes how old is elmer by this point he is i think 30 
30. Oh, jeez, yeah. honey. Like, dude. Yeah. Dude. So Get my your dude, life right. Yeah. So my dude was in pretty rough shape when he ended the night and went to sleep in the hayloft. Meanwhile, three law officers, brothers Bob and Stringer Fenton and Dick Wallace, Hannah. If I get murdered by a Bob and a dick, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> That's some bullshit. <laughs> dick Wallace. Fuck you. <laughs> they were hot on his trail. He had been identified as the ringleader of the robbers by witnesses. And there was also a nice $2,000 bounty on him, dead or alive. Uh-oh. So no masks. No fucking masks. Nope. Not even a bandana. <laughs> God damn it, Elmer. <laughs> the lawmen tracked him to the barn using bloodhounds and Elmer refused to surrender to the authorities and he fired on them. Oh, uh-oh. in interviews following the shootout, Bob Fitton said, quote, he took a shot at me first. Then he took a shot at Stringer. After that, he took three shots at Wallace before we opened up. It took an hour before he dropped. I don't damn. know which of us hit him, end quote. God damn, Elmer. Yeah. When the smoke cleared, Elmer was dead from a single gunshot wound to the chest, which um, at some point down the road was determined to have happened while he was lying down. Hmm. Mm. So I don't know if he was like lying on his side and shooting. Yeah. Or I don't know. It seems very strange. If he or was- it didn't wasn't a shootout that took an hour. They just busted yep. him in the barm, shot him in the chest and then made up a story. Yep. Yeah. Because, I mean, it sounds like he would have been pretty sick and like, how are you going to take an hour for a dude with worms and tuberculosis <laughs> yeah. who's probably drunk off his ass? Well, and 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 we know that men like to exaggerate how long something takes. Yeah. <laughs> We're here yeah, all week, so. folks. <laughs> so, whatever, he's dead. His yeah. corpse was delivered to the local undertaker, Joseph L. Johnson. He preserved Elmer's body with an arsenic-based preservative that God I read damn. was used up until the 1920s. And he hoped that eventually some relation would come claim the body. And he refused. <coughs> damn, that's dry throat this morning. He hoped, uh, so he refused to release the body for burial until he was paid for his <laughs> service. Right. Well, there's that. When that didn't happen, he decided, you know what? I'm just going to prop this bastard up in the corner to make a few extra bucks. <laughs> God, I love the old West. Yep. Jesus Christ. So he dressed him in street clothes, put him up in the corner with a rifle in his hands and charged people five cents a pop to view the body, which <laughs> I would do in a heart. Same. Well, it's, Same. it's the equivalent of a dollar 50 today. So uh, that's, oh, that's, that's a great price. price. Very that's reasonable. A deal. That is a reasonable <clears throat> price for that sort of entertainment. Shout out to that undertaker. He became Elmer became known as the bandit who wouldn't give up and was a popular attraction. In fact, many carnivals tried to purchase Elmer with no success. <laughs> you know what? Much like Phineas Gage's head hole. Sign me up. You yeah. want a quarter? I'm fuck. Yeah, I want to see your brain through your head. Come on. Let's do this. <laughs> Johnson may have been an asshole, but he wasn't a total asshole. He wasn't okay. just going to sell this guy well yeah he's he's making money you make more money off of renting than you do <laughs> selling yep he was only willing to release the body to a legitimate family member okay well that's you know what good on you so in october 1916 a man called johnson from california claiming to be elmer mccurdy's brother 
He had already noticed a rat, right? Mm-hmm. He had already notified the sheriff and a local attorney that he was planning on claiming the body, which made Johnson feel like, hey, okay, this must be legit. He released the body to the man who turned out not to be Elmer's non-existent brother. Well, I am <laughs> shocked. Yeah. But a man named James Patterson, not to be confused with the, the writer. <laughs> yes. Do we who- know that for certain though? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Where's our source? <laughs> Uh, who owned a traveling carnival show and had been made aware of the popular involved bandit by his brother, Charles. So they had concocted this scheme to get the body. And for the next several years, Elmer's corpse was displayed as the outlaw who would never be captured alive. (laughs) Touche. In 1922, the carnival was sold to Lewis Sonny, who used Elmer's mummified corpse in his traveling museum of crime which also featured wax, I repeat, wax replicas <laughs> of Bill Doolin and Jesse James. You know what? I think that would be a great third act for us. But <laughs> your kids are out of the house. Let's do a traveling crime museum. Yeah. yeah. In 1933, Sonny lent Elmer to director Dwayne Esper to be used as a marketing tool to promote his film Narcotic. What? What is? I can't. Yeah. I cannot even. <laughs> yeah. Elmer was propped in the lobby of theaters and marketed as a quote, dead dope fiend. Oh my, oh god. my god. What who year had, was this? 1933. Oh God. <laughs> who, had, who had died in a shootout with cops after rubbing a drugstore to support his habit. Oh my God. <laughs> he had now, a granted, lot of things, but he didn't actually have a drug habit, y'all. Back, yeah. It's just worms. Day, yeah, just worms. Had the good shit, though. Yeah. Like they had cocaine in the drugstores back then. Yeah, in the they day. did. <laughs> so by this time, Elmer had shrunk to just a little over five feet tall and well, he yeah. was co- completely mummified. Oh. So the director claimed this was due to the drug use as oh, he God. was exploiting this poor, poor, Jesus poor man's Lord. Body. So Lewis Sonny died in 1949 and Elmer was put in storage until 1964. They couldn't have put him in a grave somewhere. No, 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 no. Elmer. So Sonny's son, Dan, loaned him out to another filmmaker. Jesus Christ. uh, And he made an appearance in some some horror film in the 60s. Uh, In 1968, Elmer was sold with a group of wax figures to a man named Spoonie Singh, of who course owned, it was. Who owned and operated the Hollywood Wax Museum. Oh, boy. So Elmer went on to be displayed at Mount Rushmore. <laughs> where? What? <clears throat> really jealous that this corpse has traveled more than this us. This country is very insane. I'm a live person. I have a real job and I can't travel that much. Uh, so he was damaged in a windstorm. <laughs> oh, God, of course he was. His, the tips of his ears and some of his fingers and toes had been blown off. Jesus Christ. Oh, oh God. <laughs> so because of this damage, Singh removed him from display because he felt like, okay, this is really gross. <laughs> yeah. But he's not lifelike enough. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. People are just this is the fucking best story ever. <laughs> so... Eventually, Singh sold Elmer to the co-owner of the Pike Amusement Park in Long Beach, California. How is any of this legal? I don't, maybe they just all assumed he was Max. I don't I know. I bet they think he's fake. I bet they must think so. They've got to. So Elmer became a prop in the park's funhouse. 
God help me. It was there he stayed until December 8th, 1976. 76. 76. He died. He's been dead for 50 years-ish. Yeah, 1911. He died in 1911, and this is 1976. Oh, so 60-something years. Oh, okay. When a member of the production crew of the show, the $6 million man, (coughs) got the shock of his life when he was setting up a scene in the funhouse. He moved what he thought was a prop corpse hanging from a rope and noticed it looked just a little too human when the arm came off and exposed were, human bone and muscle. They were hanging no. it from a rope. They were hanging his corpse from a rope. They were. Ew. Ew. Uh, oh, also, yeah. that poor set designer was like, the fuck? Exactly. Yep. They don't pay me enough for this shit. No, no. they don't. So he was taken to the Los Angeles coroner's office. Yeah. Where he, was, <laughs> where he was examined by Dr. Joseph Choi. And it is really cool <clears throat> how they figured out who he was. I think they went back and um, talked to Dan Sonny and he said, oh yeah, this is, this is Elmer McCurdy. You know, I just happened to sell this human body. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. Yeah. But they noticed that there was a presence of arsenic. There were scars that were um, similar to scars that Elmer was alleged to have had. So this uh, corpse was poisonous this whole time. Yeah, he had <laughs> arsenic in him, yeah. Jesus um, Christ. And they knew that arsenic was only used up until the 1920s, so that mm-hmm. kind of helped them date when he was, because he's a mummy now. Uh, yeah. They could see the damage from the tuberculosis, and they could even see like where the initial autopsy, the scars from the autopsy, Ooh, had wow. taken place. So he was, was very well preserved. And so the, how they were able to figure out to contact Dan Sonny is there was a ticket stub to Sonny's Museum of Crime in his mouth. Oh, my God. Ew. So that's when they called Dan and he's like, oh, yeah, that's Elmer. Oh, oh yeah, God. that's Elmer. <laughs> it's like when you sew your names like on, into your like undies. Your, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh <clears throat> However, just to be 100% sure, a forensic anthropologist named Dr. Clyde Snow took radiographs of the skull and compared them with a picture of McCurdy that was taken around the time of his death. And so using that method, he was able to say, yes, this is Elmer McCurdy. Science. Yes. Amazing. So as word got out that, hey, we found this dead body, a number of funeral homes offered to bury him free of charge. But the coroner's office wanted to wait and see if any family members would come forward to claim him. It's been 65 years. They're all <laughs> well, dead. And he didn't really have any to begin with. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> when no one did, the body was finally released to be buried in Oklahoma to Fred Olds, who was a member of the Indian Territory Posse of Oklahoma Westerns. Oh, wow. Yeah. Strange, strange organization name. So on April 22nd, 1977, a procession followed Elmer's coffin to the Boot Hill section of Summit View Cemetery in Guthrie, Oklahoma, where he was laid to rest next to another famous outlaw from the time, Bill Doolin. Oh. Now, many cemeteries in the West had these Boot Hill sections, which earned the nickname for being the final resting place of many gunfighters who, quote, died with their boots on, end quote. Mm -hmm. That was also Um, the name of the Western store where I grew up. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Uh, So to prevent attempts at stealing his remains, two feet of concrete was poured over his coffin. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, fair. 
and love him, let him rest. Well, and another thing I've noticed from like people who were buried during those times is, uh, there's stones placed over their graves, like big, heavy, Mm -hmm. heavy stones and grave robbing. Yeah. yeah, Well, grave robbing, and there's not really a ton of significance. I think mostly it's, Hey, let's be able to identify that someone's buried here in case this wooden cross gets knocked over. Right. And then also to keep predation from animals. Yeah. You know, when, when we have to bury animals on our property um we always put bricks over the graves for at least a couple of months well and i've sure seen that, in yeah. westerns too where they do the rock pile yeah that, that that's what I, yeah, yeah that's what i'm that's what i was referring to is that they pile the rocks on top <clears throat> he does have a simple headstone that reads quote elmer mccurdy shot by sheriff's posse in osage hills on october 7th 1911 returned to Goth- Guthrie, Oklahoma from Los Angeles County, California for burial April 22nd, 1977. That is a well-traveled corpse. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a small, sad little evergreen tree planted next to the headstone that Sheena and I were joking about. I don't know who put it there, why it's there, what its significance is. I tried emailing um, the person that the website for the city of Guthrie said to email about cemetery services. And it was utilities at Guthrie, Oklahoma.com. And uh, <laughs> I got a bounce. Was. I got a bounce back. So apparently oh, yeah. uh, Guthrie, you know, Oklahoma, fix your shit. They don't have a utility company anymore, but it's, it wasn't there when he was buried and it's there now. So I don't know. Maybe somebody a, just wanted to, you know, I don't know. Thing. You it's have to take ugly. care of evergreens. <clears throat> yeah. And, and, I included a picture of it. I do not include a picture of his corpse. Because Please, thank you. There, it's a. I have a very sad picture of him from when he was alive. But if you want to see <clears throat> what he looked like dead, you can Google it yourself. We will only yeah. be sharing alive pictures. So he's been through enough. Enough yeah. people have looked at his dead body. Yeah. Recently, it was announced in February of this year that the writers of the popular Broadway show, the band's visit had finished a 14 song musical based on the story yes. of Elmer McCurdy. What? Oh, yes. Dead outlaw. I'm here for it. Let's I go. Love it. Musicals so, and dead bodies. That's my favorite thing. Musicals are my favorite. <laughs> so there was a premiere that featured the songs from the musical at 54 below in New York. And this happened in March, but I have not been able to find anything else an update on when the show's going to take place, if it's being performed, any reviews, nothing. So if you're in the show, holler at us. Yeah, yeah. So I am not sure. Yeah. Please sing all the songs for us. But yes, that is the story of the outlaw who would not stand down, Mr. <laughs> Elmer McCurdy. I love. Okay. So as odd as it may sound, considering how much I hated living in Arkansas. I love Westerns so Uh fucking much. Like Lonesome Dove was my favorite movie as a kid. (laughs) I loved Lonesome Dove so much. Yeah. (laughs) And having grown up in like Kansas City for a little bit, like a lot of that, it's very, it was a very outlaw town back in the day. And so a lot of the Western frontier started in Missouri and Kansas. Mm-hmm. So I love it. I love it so much. And yeah. Lonesome Dove is great. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but find it because it's epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of good people in it too. Oh when my God. Oh, yeah. so I've never seen it, but yeah. Except for like Ricky Schroeder, who we won't talk about. <laughs> I never like his character was a whiny little bitch anyway. So 
Okay. <laughs> this so, is yeah. an anti-newt podcast. So <laughs> do that what you it. will. Um, so yeah, so those are our outlaws. Um coming at you next time, we're gonna have a pride episode. The because pride yeah. starts soon. So happy Pride Month. Um, and yeah, that's uh that's what we got. Lori, where can they find us online? We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cemetery Row Pod, or you can send us an email to cemeteryrowpod at gmail.com. Woohoo! And, and we love um, hearing from you guys. We really yes. do. Send us a review. Tell your friends. Um, Only nice you. reviews. <laughs> you don't um, like it, don't listen and carry on with your day. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keep scrolling. Um, thank you to Derek, our podcast producer. Yes, yes. edits out everything. Uh, that we don't all want of our dumb hear. bullshit uh thanks to uh revenge body for that awesome theme song um we i was thinking the it. other day about how awesome it is and how proud of it i am so yay thank you yay. i think he's got some new music coming out this year so Ooh, stay tuned cool. for that um but yeah thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time for pride yeah. yes bye bye, bye.